it's a good news, bad news Tuesday. Actually, it's a double good news, and then one rather large bad news. Uh, good news, number one. Patios opening up on Friday. That is great news. I'm already arranging my weekend schedule in my mind as to uh, where I'm going to go, how I'm going to get there, what meals I'm going to have, how many beers I'm going to consume. Many. Uh, also, it's a text line Tuesday, so get those texts in. 590, 590. Bad news is the Montreal Canadiens are four wins away from a Stanley Cup final after completing a sweep of the Winnipeg Jets with a goals for percentage, expected goals for percentage, the highest in the history of the playoffs. How's it going? Happy Tuesday to you. Happy Tuesday to you as well. Looking forward to text line today. Looking forward to the DMs today. Get the DMs popping at JD Bunkus. Tweet us at JD Bunkus at Sports at Ben. DM us on Instagram. Do, do it all. I'll just put it this way. Everybody keeps asking the question, does this make it worse for Leafs fans? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Huh? Uh. Well, does it? Yeah. Does it make it worse? I don't know. They do that with their jaw and their neck? Yeah, they do. They go, does you it can make tell? it worse for you? Yeah, they do. Hey, psst. the team that beat you uh-huh. beat another team yeah. easily. Very easily. Most, does it make it worse? Easily. Most Does easily. it make it worse for you? <laughs> and the answer is... No, because nothing can make it worse. It's already the worst. Why could anyone possibly think that? Were there really people out there who thought Toronto wouldn't be favored in a series against Winnipeg? Because Winnipeg beat the Oilers, which was built to be the most loser playoff team of all time. Like, hey, what do you win with in the playoffs? Depth, toughness, scoring, and goaltending. And the Oilers had two guys. Uh-huh. They played the guy that like Leaf fans watched get pummeled the year before in the postseason in Tyson Berry, and they didn't have a single other guy. And then everyone went, wow, they really lost, huh? Yeah. They really lost. <laughs> huh, wow, what a surprise. Kel Sue Priest. A lot of credit goes to the Canadians, right? A lot of credit. The vast majority of the credit. They went out and they executed. They've got young clutch guys who just are buzzing. Caulfield already taking a big step. Suzuki I'm just obsessed with. It just it pains me that that guy is a Montreal Canadian. Like truly deeply pains me. Because I just think that we've talked about this on the show all week. Some guys have it, some guys have that it factor. That's what that dude has. That dude has I've scored goals everywhere and I'll score goals here. I scored goals in the NHL playoffs immediately and I'm going to score goals for the rest of the time and I'm not really going to think too much about it. Stones They've got the confidence of playing in Carey Price, and they know that if they go up one nothing, they can simply just go into a defensive shell and say, yeah, shoot from the outside. Uh, we're not going to give you the middle ice. we got four good defensemen, and those four guys are going to protect the net front as best as possible, force you to the outside, and we feel really comfortable that Carey's going to make the saves. Hell, Carey didn't come up with one of the saves yesterday, and they still won. They still just limited him to two. Carey Price lets in one bad goal, and you think, wow. He's human. Eh, he's fine the rest of the way. So, yeah. Habs get a ton of credit. Habs are playing well. Turned out that all the theories that Habs fans had before the season were correct. That their team was the best one built for playoffs. That all the other teams were regular season teams and they didn't give a crap because they were better suited for this time of year. Bingo, they were right. Um, But, yeah, it doesn't make it worse for Leafs fans. There's just no part of this equation that... I could, 
imagine makes it worse. Like the fact that they're still around makes it worse for Leaf fans because you have to watch it still. Yeah, that's it. There's something a little bit validating in the fact that the Leafs were the better team in the series against Montreal who just swept Winnipeg. Like, if you're just looking at it from a rational, cold-blooded standpoint, but from an emotional, you care about the Leafs standpoint, no, there's no... What? So, if the Winnipeg Jets would have stomped Montreal, people would have been saying to themselves, like, we didn't have a chance? I, I don't get it. But the opposite is not true either, right? It's not like, hey, we went seven games against a team that is into the Stanley Cup semifinals. Like, that's not the math anyone's doing. This North Division, that, we're, I, I'm just saying that that's the devil's um, argument. It's, it's <laughs> not, not one that I'm making. Yeah. I'm not making that one. I'm just saying, for the sake of argument, I could see in a rational world where there's 15 million people in this province one person might be saying that they'd be incorrect this division what we're learning on a daily basis is more information keeps piling in from these games was extremely flawed more so than even we realized and as much as the montreal canadians need to be given credit no doubt for this sweep for the final three games of that series against the toronto maple leafs the first four games also happened right the first four games happened. That team was left for dead, rightly so. And sure, there's parts of this team that are built for the playoffs. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Nothing can change what happened in those three games as far as your evaluation of the Toronto Maple Leafs and how they handed that series away to the Montreal Canadiens. This great team at protecting leads, and let's see what happens when they don't have one because all they've had is leads since game five of that series against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they've done a great job of defending them. Maple Leafs made them crumble in the third period of a couple of games when they actually started playing hockey and then couldn't figure it out in overtime in game five and six. It's horrific. It's always... When you get to rock bottom, there's nowhere to go. You can't go under the ground to the core of the earth. Like, you're already there. You're already flattened to the surface. There's just nowhere to go. But I will say, seeing that uniform seeing all the, the flowers handed to the Montreal Canadiens, that part is, is painful. I just am more... Hey, congrats to Montreal Canadiens fans because they were right and everybody, including myself, talked a lot of trash. Talked a lot, a lot of trash. And that franchise has just done a lot more winning. And I know they haven't won a cup since 93, but they probably get one if Chris Kreider doesn't smash into Carey Price's legs. And they've just done a lot more winning. They've had big moments, and I just keep looking at it like, yep, some franchises are winners, and some franchises are just horrific losers that lose no matter what. And, yeah, that's where I'm still at with it. I just, yeah. Blech. I'll tell Nothing you. pains me. I actually like seeing a fan base that cares, like sure. no, that, that part's fine. celebrating that part's and going fine. there and and raising yeah. the the pylons over their heads like their Stanley Cups. That's fine. Like, yeah, it's great that the, things are going very well in the province of Quebec, and they're able to get together outside and celebrate yeah, these awesome. things. And the twenty five hundred fans in the building, but it also pains me to see those young players. And you mentioned Suzuki, who already had playoff success going into this thing, mm-hmm. has already been a guy that's shown up when the games matter the most. To see Kotkin Yemi, who didn't start this postseason, to see Cole Caulfield, who didn't start this postseason either, have this type of success, and Caulfield get a, an overtime game-winning assist to clinch a series and have that 
notch on their belt going forward that the Maple Leafs so so badly need for their mental health as far as hockey is concerned to see the Montreal Canadiens have that in spades now also painful yeah I just I guess I'm able to separate the two I just like there's none of this like Mitch Marner had success against the Washington Capitals and is his first series against the Bruins like it's not as though the reason we have to do the 18 games is because Mitch Marner had success before those 18 right so could those guys eventually go on slumps yes I again I I just I I don't see the connection the synapses don't fire for me when I see the Canadians do this. if the Canadians win a cup if they go all the way that's gonna suck because I think they already have the Canada Cup I've said all season long I think that there's two Stanley Cups this year one for the North Division you win it and you have bragging rights forever and Montreal grabbed bragging rights that are unlike anything you could have possibly imagined the worst possible scenario which is down in a series doubted by fans Leafs fans dunking on you everywhere and then the Leafs fans collapse to the point, or the Leafs collapse to a point where all of their fans are calling for wide sweeping changes of the team and questioning the core and questioning what they've built and top down everything. Star players are upset, fighting on Zoom calls. There's nothing you like seeing better than your rival burned to the ground, and that's what you did. The Montreal Canadiens have burned the confidence of Toronto Maple Leafs fans down to the ground. They pulled the Carth, right? The burn the burn the town and then salt the earth. That's what this is. Right? You remember that from? No, I don't. Yeah. Carth? Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know what that's like. What well, that they reference it in Gladiator. All right, it sounds like yeah, a right. thing. Listen, I'll defer to you, Carth. Carth. Yeah. Salt the earth, Karth. man. Salt the earth so nothing can grow there. Like this is it. Like no hope can grow. They've salted the earth. Uh but yeah, watching Montreal at this point, this is what I I. I I think you could have talked yourself into whatever you wanted. If Montreal would have lost that series, you would have just said, well, Toronto lost to a team that couldn't even beat the Jets, and if they beat the Jets, you go, Toronto would have been favored in the next series. I, I, I don't buy any of that stuff. I think Toronto would have just simply was the best team in the first round, the most uh -huh. talented team in the first round, uh -huh. absolutely blew it, absolutely uh -huh. and utterly blew it, and they would have been favorites in the second round where they would have had another incredible opportunity, but they would have probably blown that somehow because that's what they do, and that's what they're comprised of is a bunch of guys who blow it. And now the Montreal Canadiens who face the Toronto Maple Leafs team and, yes, watch them collapse epically in the final three games but face them for the basically entirety of that seven-game series without their second-line center, face mm -hmm. a heavily flawed Winnipeg Jets team who loses their number one center for the mm -hmm. entirety of the series and a 15-minute-a-night defenseman for basically the entirety of the series now they get to sit back and watch as the two arguably best teams in all of hockey battle it out tooth and nail and potentially seven games and potentially more than just the remaining uh what is it uh six uh periods uh no uh nine periods of hockey plus overtime and they get a, a potential beat up team coming out of that in the stanley cup semifinals so yes the team that has had that's the, the touch sport, of God. Baby. The team that has had the touch of God gets another touch of God. Yeah, I, I, that's the sport. Leafs had a chance to wrap things up in Game Five and have all the confidence in the world rolling forward and have a healthy Jake Muzzin and the potential return of John Tavares and boom, 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 and nothing, and you can't take care of business, and that's the way it goes. They could add the same thing, where 
they lose that game. They have to go into a game five. Habs get a little bit more beat up. Maybe somebody comes, uh, maybe someone's fighting through an injury. They don't get an extra day's rest. Who knows? They took care of business. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to close those games out to avoid those other repercussions. I've, I'll say this. I'm not as convinced about the Montreal, or sorry, the Vegas, Colorado series just because it's going to go deep that this is going to be a massive evening out effect for the, the Habs. But I'm also not doing the thing anymore where I'm writing off Montreal. Like, everyone's expecting them to show up in the series against Vegas or Colorado and just get completely, like, hammer-fisted. I don't yeah. see it. I actually see a team that's playing with a ton of confidence that's probably, like, certainly not going to be the favorites. This North Division... that. Two things can be true. Montreal deserved to win. Montreal was solid. Montreal played good playoff hockey. Montreal was overlooked in a lot of ways heading into the postseason. But those Jets-Montreal games were horrific to watch. Like, they, yeah. they were truly... If you were putting them up against every other series that's happening right now in the Stanley Cup playoffs, if anybody else is... If, if people are paying attention to both those series, if you're a fan of the Habs right now and you're actually watching these other games and you think what you just watched resembled anything about of what we're watching between all the other teams, you're out of your freaking mind. That said, I I, I don't think that there's going to be some type of uh, unbelievable... step that's going to have to come for them to win a hockey game against these teams. Well, They're the better the teams. Cup They're gonna be yeah. This is how it works, man. This is why the first round is so fun, because everybody's healthy, and... It's a, a coin flip sport uh, at the worst of times. You get deeper into the postseason. It's a war of attrition. I I could absolutely see the Montreal Canadiens getting that formula that is supposed to be the, the 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 way that they can win, which is Carey Price standing on his head, which he's done, I guess, a little bit. But they were, again, the most dominant team in NHL history in a postseason series against mm-hmm. the Winnipeg Jets. They have not been tested since the first... Four games of the Leaf series. Yeah, I thought the Jets packed it up after game two. That was it. They were just done. Um, anyway, I'm done talking about this. We're going to talk about it with Stewie a bit later, but I'm good on this. Uh, I, got, I got nothing else to say. Like, the Habs were good. All right, let's talk to our pal, your friend and mine, Anthony Stewart, NHL on Sports and Hockey Central. Yo, his... Uh, his texts are popping right now. I asked Dewey to come on the show last night. And uh, I, we saw this with Mark Savard a little bit, mm. where when he started becoming an analyst with Sportsnet, he started to trend into the insider waters, started to stick a toe <laughs> into the insider waters, step on... Uh, he, he's trying to slide up to the insider's desk on NHL trade deadline day. They didn't have a seat for him. But he stood next to CJ and Elliot all the same. I, I wonder if Stewie, if if that's where you're you're headed these days. You're you're sending some spicy deets. <laughs> I usually talk about the what. <laughs> I mean yeah. the why, not the what. So yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. But when I'm on Twitter, when you go on the Twitter and you're there all day, there's different layers. So I was on Reddit Twitter during the playoffs. Yeah. And there were some interesting theories on what was going on in this Jets uh, app series. <laughs> yeah. So you you don't want to share any? You don't like you're you're good. You only want to okay, share those well, in private. I'll, I'll I'll preface this I'll preface this by saying it and there was obviously something you know wrong with Pierre Luc Dubois and again this is probably just pure speculation but there was rumors that <laughs> and this is probably 
level 10 inception of, yeah. uh, of Twitter that uh, he was working for the family business and he was tired yeah. because he was in and out of Home Depot all day getting wood for his family's <laughs> construction company. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way that could be true. There's no way that could be true, but when you get on Twitter, it gets deep. (laughs) Not no way. It's like unlikely to be true. There's a way. I mean, Home Depot's open. Why I love this rumor so much is that could you imagine it in any other sport? You know, and any other city. Like, that's the most Winnipeg Jets rumor they could be. Hey, did you hear about Pierre-Luc Dubois? Yeah, too much home hardware, buddy. <laughs> he's, just, uh, he's buying too much lumber at home hardware. He's gassing out his arms, carrying all that lumber back and forth to his truck bed. He's helping his parents' construction business too much, and his parents are there, and they're like, Pierre, help us build this shack immediately. <laughs> he's like, I need to sleep. I need to rest. And they're like, no, we need you. This is the family business. This is what paid your bills for you to get to the show don't you ever forget your roots only in winnipeg would somebody write that only in canada would somebody write that only in hockey would this become a rumor i wish this could be a rumor with like james harden imagine someone tried to float that with james harden hey here's the thing james harden's at home depot too much he's buying too much lumber he's like no uh not a not a chance so i love this rumor i'm so glad that you shared it to me of wood but i think i i think i would rather that I think I would rather that than the, the norm, the norm of what a hockey player does, and that's literally sleep all day. So I think it's better to be working and working on your hands and getting out as opposed to being in bed all day like most hockey players or playing video games. Yeah, uh, I love it. I love that so much. Ben's right, though. Dubois, that's uh, his yeah. of what? Buddy, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. Listen, we all speak a little bit of French enough to know the mm-hmm. bois is wood. Dubois wood. of wood. Connect the dots. Yeah. Yeah. Connect the dots. All we're saying, listen, we'll just lay out the crumbs and let the listener decide whether or not it was because the guy was at Home Depot too much, and that's why the Jets got swept in the postseason. Okay, so what we've been trying to do today, man, is determine whether this makes the Leafs look worse or not. And I said from a fan standpoint, nothing is worse. It's already the worst. If you're rock bottom, Ben pointed out, you can't climb into the center of the earth. Like, it's just, this is it. This is the rock bottom. Um, but how do you feel about it? Like, if, if you're the Leafs, if you're a Leafs player, do you look at this any differently given the result of that series, or doesn't matter? Nothing mattered. Well, you, you try to find the silver lining in anything, so I'm sure most Leafs players are saying, well, at least we lost to the Canadian division champs, and you know they went Oof. up and beaten Winnipeg. As opposed to them getting sweep, I think that would make them feel worse. But... Um, you know, I, I think with media, we sort of forget about what we've been saying, you know, two months ago, three months ago. But, you know, we had Kevin BX on the program saying, you know, this Montreal team is built for the playoffs. The Leafs are built for the regular season. Montreal's beat, uh, built for the playoffs. We had CJ saying this team is a juggernaut. He didn't just wake up one day and say, hey, you know what? I like the word juggernaut. Let me use he that. He said that and... four games into the regular season. I'm not so, giving CJ his flowers. <laughs> Josh Anderson was flying around. Where's Josh Anderson been? No, two things can be true. Bieksa was right and CJ was wrong. Okay? Like, yeah. there's no way I'm giving well, CJ credit. I'm still waiting for the, uh, the t-shirt. I want to wear one of those t-shirts. I just have, yeah. uh, you know, maybe Shea Weber wearing, like, the juggernaut helmet. But, um, 
uh, this team is built for the playoffs. And, and the thing is, what people don't understand is, you know, there is a little bit of a luck involved, you know, in, in you know, in, in the playoffs. So I think this team is, they got four strong nines. But like I said, when I tweeted last night about that international hockey game, you can't just have four lines of uh, skinny guys out there flying around. You have to have complementary players because those are the players that come up big. Look at this fourth line, Joel Armia, Eric Stahl, Corey Perry. Uh, you know, we're talking about preparation by the Winnipeg Jets. They were probably like, you know what? We don't even worry about these guys. They're just out there, uh, you know, flying around. But they were a game changer uh, in this series. You know, Cole Caulfield, they're probably saying, well, you know what? He was in and out of the lineup to start last series. You know, he's not really going to be a big factor. Uh, you know, Suzuki had a great series as well, too. So I think Winnipeg Jets, they underestimated Montreal. But when you have a team clicking, you saw Mark Bergevin down there. You know, that's a that's a team, not a club. That's a team that's a family atmosphere, and they're ready to go. So everyone's thinking next round's going to be an easy uh, an easy out for whoever's, uh, you know, playing the Habs. But I would not be surprised if next series goes six, seven games the way that this team's playing. Sure. I mean, it is hockey. And uh, they still employ Carey Price. Eric Stahl, third on this team, tied for third on this team in playoff scoring with seven points in the ten games. Corey Perry, he is tied for fifth with uh, six points in his 11 games this season, including three goals. Hey, Jason Spezza was great. Leafs going to try Leafs. and sign both this offseason. Yeah. <laughs> did, they, did they bet on the wrong old guys? Not necessarily, but I, I said um, when Stahl was traded early before the deadline, I was like, this is probably going to be the number one prized acquisition at the deadline because he's playoff tested, he's battle tested, he's won a cup, he knows what it takes. But most of all, he knows when the going gets tough, he has to adjust his role. He doesn't have an ego. He does whatever it takes to win. And, you know, he struggled the 20 games that he was here before uh, or whatever it was, the 10, 15 games. But these guys are built for the playoffs. How do you not go and sign Corey Perry on July 1 knowing what he does? Put him in and out of the lineup for the 56 game. But come playoffs, you know what he's doing. But I think the problem with Toronto's guys when you have a big four, you know, doing all the offense, these guys are pushed down the ladder. We were talking about Kerfoot finally doing well, and um, that was because Tavares got hurt. So I think just with the role that they have, these older guys in Toronto, they weren't uh, able to shine, right? Yeah, I actually do think it's going to be interesting what happens with Toronto in the free agent market this year and what they try and acquire, what they end up trying to do whether or not they end up as players at all, if they can move off some salary and add some some money around. But to me, it's like basically just the Leafs should have signed Corey Perry instead of Joe Thornton. Like, that's it. From a hockey standpoint, we'll never know all the things Joe Thornton did behind the scenes. I can't wait to do that argument over the next two years the way that we did with Patrick Marlowe, where it's like, oh, okay, so they lost and they're still losers, but Marlowe was worth it in what way? Um, okay, sure. Same thing with Joe Thornton, where it's like, cool, he's a loved teammate. I loved, like... Uh, it, the stories when they're kicking around about Joe Thornton, we always say it. They're the best ones that you ever really get about a player. It's like Phil Kessel stories are hilarious and Joe Thornton's stories are incredible. So having that guy in the dressing room, I'm sure was amazing for those guys. I know the Leafs had a great room. I know the Leafs really enjoyed each other this season. And I, I thought that that was a big contributing factor was having him there. But when it came down to it, push comes to shove in the postseason, they just they, they, got, they signed the wrong guy. I'm not really willing to say, though, that they had the wrong formula. Like, this is the point I'm trying to get to, which is they're still going to need to sign the older players 
who have actually done stuff in their career who can still play and get them on those cheap contracts. And and I actually do think that there's maybe a case at this point, Corey Perry is going to be one of those guys that's up for understood free agency. And I, I do wonder if at 36 years old they go and they look at him. No, but my point Can't is, is like guys like Nick Fanning. So Fanon, you're basically right? saying give him three years, $3 million. No, you're, you're not. You're, <laughs> you're going one year for all these guys. But I'm just saying yeah. that when the Leafs go into free agency – if they can't bring back the Hymans, they can't get to the table with a Coleman, they who else is a free agent that they would love to be able to go out and get? Um, obviously, like Taylor Hall and Doug Ham- like there's like star guys that they're not going to be able to get. Palmieri's going to go back to, I think, the Devils or he maybe signs on the island. But those dudes like the Boninos and the, yeah, the Corey Perrys, those guys that are unrestricted free agents this year that are older – I still think Toronto's trying to just go back to the well and, and grab those guys. Like, the theory was correct. Montreal is kind of proving that Toronto was right. Spezza was great. Like, those guys exceed value. That is still where you find value in the market. And even though they got the guy who couldn't old. play, that's it. There's, like, there's a limit. There's, like, you got to know when there's a guy who is too old. And you can't be making them promises where they get power play one no matter what. But... I still think you go after those guys, and you have to be able to identify the right group of veteran minimum dudes that you can fill out your roster with, especially when you're. But I think out. that's. But I think that's a problem. And speaking of cap, that's been the problem with this team. You know, there's no mid-level guys. You're either uh, high class or low class, and that's the problem. You need those uh, medium-sized guys. You need guys between two and a half and four and a half million because those guys are stabilizers of your roster. Those are guys that you know what you're going to get every single night. You can bet on a veteran guy at seven hundred thousand dollars. You might get something. You might not. But with a team that's contending. For for the, the Stanley Cup, obviously you need cost certainty, but you need roster certainty and performance certainty. So say what you want. Corey Perry, if he's in Toronto, he's not playing 16 and a half minutes like he did last night. So I think no. the problem is now just the way that this roster is constructed, the guys, the mid-level to low-level guys, they're so uh, compressed in their in their performance and, and their role within the team. So there's one way to solve that problem, but that's a conversation that we can have in, pro- in, in private because I value my Twitter mentions and I'm not trying to get ran out of town. So yeah. uh, um, that is that's going to be the problem, and it's going to be a guessing game until you fix that. And that's could be next year, it could be the year after, but that's going to be a constant problem. Guys are coming, they're getting drafted, they're scoring twenty goals, they're signing for two two and a half million dollars, and they're shipped out of town. So that's that's a problem, and, and until you fix that, it, it's going to be constantly. We're going to be talking about this to the cows come home. I I do think though, again, this is going to be a super interesting free agent year. From the standpoint of like guys who have been doing it and guys who fit that mold, like I'm, I just looking through the list right now. Like Ryan Getzlaff is an unrestricted free agent. Luke Glendening, unrestricted free agent. These guys that are doing it right now in the playoffs that are depth pieces that everyone's fawning over. Joel Armia, 29 years old, unrestricted free agent. Casey Zizekas scoring big goals, coming up with massive plays in that Islander yeah. series, unrestricted free agent. Nick Foligno, unrestricted free agent. Like. You go up and down this list and Corey Perry, whatever, all these playoff guys, whether or not there's actually going to be all of a sudden like an inflated market for those dudes because other teams try and go out and acquire them and say this is what we need to fill out the fringes or if they're all going to be available for like a lot cheaper and if that actually puts Toronto in a really good position. It's, it's going to be a big story this offseason, I'm telling you. Everybody's focused on, on top, but th- those are going to be real, real stories. 
But if you're an organization that wants long-term stability, and I know you know the Leafs have aspirations winning the Stanley Cup, if you're having mid-level guys, seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollar guys, why not have your prospects? Why not fill it with guys like Brooks and, and give Robertson a shot and let Lilligren come in and show what he can do? Because that you're looking at some of these teams that are successful. You can have both. These guys are homebred guys. These are guys that have been groomed and brought up through the system. So you, these are all band-aid solutions, bringing in these veterans at, 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 at bottom dollar. But that is the problem because at the top of the roster, we all know what that issue is right so um you know you could keep going to the russia well and you know for every mikhayev there's going to be a barabanov and a and a Latin. so Barabanov's sick i don't know if you check the game notes of uh i know in san jose yeah in san jose yeah. this guy's tearing yeah, it up right leaves dying for a <laughs> so, they could have used him actually in the postseason where they didn't have any goal scoring down the lineup to throw him in but whatever uh no my point is i think you can have both man like they've got to fill i think something like 10 spots and I'm not bringing back the guys who are too old, but, yeah, I want next year's Leafs team to have a spot for Nick Robertson if he can play. I want this team to have a spot for Sandine. I've never been a Lilligren guy. Like, I, I, I won't buy that stock ever. Like, I'm not moving spots to make sure that he can get one. But f- your, your point is well taken in that you have to develop your players. I just think that there is a mix there and that there are some of those guys that they're – like, their thinking was correct. They needed to bring in guys who were not only good in the room, who were also leaders, who would add some urgency, but who have been there before and won before and who still have something to offer you, especially when the games get tighter and the, they have the experience being in those games. And I, I just think like it would be foolish for the Leafs to completely flip-flop off of it because it didn't work out for with Joe Thornton that it's something that is a good idea to try to round out your roster with good veteran players who will want to come here on cheap contracts. You just can't promise them everything and never deviate if they suck. Yeah, but you're going to have a potential hole in your you know, left wing uh, on one and two. You can't just say, well, you know what, we're just going to go get a guy for $700,000, plug it in and hope it well. You hope it goes well. Look at all these other teams in their top six, like legit top six. It's not two pairing guys and, and, and a complimentary guy. It's legit. Each guy is, is, is a pretty decent, half-decent player. So it, the problem is now that costs money. And when you're paying guys eleven and other guys 700000 you have to have that mid, those mid-level guys. And I keep talking about that, but that is the way and that's why i tweeted that international ice hockey and someone actually made a, a pretty good reference saying that should be a, a question in every gm's uh meeting when they're trying to get a gm job because that's that you want a winning team you have to have balance you have to and i'll be saying that until a team comes in and wins the cup doing it the other way yeah i had nintendo i didn't have that game i never played that game looks fun looks really really fun how old are uh, you again you're an atari guy right no i didn't have atari either I had Nintendo, no. but I never, I never had that game. It's more of a Duck Hunt guy. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, talking to Anthony Stewart. So you, okay, sure. The Montreal Canadiens could go into the series against the Avs or the Golden Knights and hold their own, I suppose, because it is hockey. Like at last Jack, it's still hockey, and they have the best goalie on planet Earth when he's at his best. But it's also, I, I more likely they look pretty rough, especially if you've watched the other series on the outside of this Jets. Montreal Canadian series, which I know you've done. Are you having any residual takes about this division now that we've gone this deep into it? We've seen the other series. Well, it's the NHL. The NHL is hard, and I don't get this. Well, there's different divisions, different levels, and different tiers. Like Colorado, I think, is on a different level than everybody else, just the way that they're playing with their pace. Uh, but that's just buying for their system. So uh, I think the take of, of this Vegas and uh, Colorado series, it's probably going to go seven games. There's going to be guys banged up. There's going to be probably a couple injuries. And I think that's going to be 
um, you know, the case for the Montreal Canadiens to sort of have some success. But let's remember, we talked about how Montreal is going to have success. Their D are going to have to step up. Special teams are going to have to be special. And Carey Price is going to play 940 hockey. So until he stops playing 940 hockey, you got to assume that's what he's going to do. So I don't think it's going to be a runaway in any sense of the word because Montreal, they're adapting. They're buying in. Uh, they're changing up their systems when they need to. Their special teams are clicking. Their D are stepping up. They're getting better every single series, every single game. So I don't get the narrative, well, you know what, Colorado is going to step in and, and kick their butt because, you know, last week we're talking about Colorado is going to win 16 games. And then now the media is saying, well, you know, Colorado, you know, they're, are they in trouble? <laughs> it's like because they lost two games. So yeah. uh, it's going to be a good series nonetheless. It's going to be entertaining, but it's not going to be a cakewalk, I think. Stewie, great stuff as always, buddy. Talk to you again soon. Thanks. Keep Thanks a lot, guys. Keep, the Keep up the coming. great work. Stay, stay on Reddit. Stay stay in the conspiracy <laughs> hole. I need more. I'll have the hot takes for you next week. Come That's on. right. I want them. I always want them. All right. See you, bud. Thanks, guys. Anthony Stewart, the NHL on Sportsnet and Hockey Central. Just connect the dots. Dubois of Wood.